Well, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast. Andrew Crow is my name. Uh, coming to you today from Perth. I'd say sunny Perth, but it's definitely not sunny Perth. It's been pouring here for the last couple of days. Over doing a bunch of work with some of our um, awesome clients over here on the other side of Australia. Um, really excited today to to talk to Jamison Harvey from Red Dirt Robotics. I got Jamison here at the moment. Jamison, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Andrew. No, really excited to. And and when um when we lined this up and I started doing a bit of insight and looking into what you guys do, what guys do, I, I think it's really amazing. And I'm looking forward to you know hearing more as we delve into it as well. So um, I guess first question, you've got this amazing uh, backdrop from uh, from where, where I can see at the moment. There's blue sky and scattered clouds. It looks like you've got a bit of a, mm-hmm. bit of a cover over you and looks like you're sort of in the middle of nowhere. Whereabouts are you? I'm currently about 20 minutes out of town uh, in Catherine, in the, in the middle of the Territory. So I've just finished up about nearly nearly a month and a half two months being stuck in darwin uh so it feels good to be back on the road yeah nice it must be uh it must be amazing up there i haven't been sort of that far into the middle of the territory what's what is it what's it like out there what, what's the what's the terrain like it's it's hot that's for sure <laughs> um it's, it's been hot today but out where i am it's pretty flat flat plains all the cattle stations but the stretch of road between um Darwin and and Catherine takes you through a few really nice ranges, which is a pretty good drive if you ever get a chance to do it. Yeah, awesome. Must be uh, must be great to be up there. Hey, look, um, I want to dive into Red Red Dirt Robotics in a lot of detail, but first of all, I want to hear about you. So, you know, what what's your background? How did you get to sort of this point? Yeah, so my journey in robotics started back when I was in grade eight in high school, um, and that was back in. Gosh, that was 2017. So you can you can do the math to figure out how old I am now for anyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> but yeah, I I moved to a new school and the, the the few mates that I had there were part of the robotics club and they were nagging at me for the first six months of me being there to come and check it out and join the club. But I was I was a bit hesitant because I was still just trying to figure me figure my way around the school and all of that. But I eventually caved and went and checked it out and they were working towards a competition called the first Lego league. And I joined in and it all, it all just went from there really. Uh, since, since joining the club in high school, me and my team, we competed at a number of different competitions in the first Lego league. Uh, both all, we did a few regional state national and even international which mm-hmm. is an amazing opportunity. Um, in 2019, my team and I, we came second place in the world at the first Lego wow. League World Festival over in Houston. So that's definitely a very a very big achievement that we're all very proud of. Yeah, that's amazing. That's unreal. And, and so whereabouts are you based? Are you based in Darwin or are you just up there for a bit? What, what are you doing? So that was back, in, back on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. That's okay. where I'm from. Uh, and I went through Chancellor State College, uh, and at that school, we were very lucky to have a, a a flourishing robotics program that had lots of success and a lot of great mentors. But back in back in 2019, after we got back from competing in America, I I was encouraged by my coach to start sharing some of the knowledge that we had learnt. Uh, 
and I started my business, Royal Robotics, and I was teaching workshops for kids who were at schools who didn't have any sort of robotics program or just wanted to do a bit more outside of the classroom. And I was working away at that for a number of years and managed to get a pretty good reputation around the coast for a robotics education provider. And yeah, I graduated high school last year and I didn't want to go into uni straight away. And I figured why not combine the the regular gap year of going and traveling with what I'm already doing. And that's really how Red Dirt Robotics was born. That's unreal. That's such a cool story. And, um, you know, sort of going straight from school and straight into something so entrepreneurial is is pretty cool. Um, so let's get into Red Dirt Robotics. You mentioned before that, you know, your, your parent company or, or your main company is called Royal Robotics. And then there's this thing called Red Dirt Robotics. Why don't you give our listeners a bit of insight? You know, what is Red Dirt Robotics and what are you trying to achieve? The Red Dirt Robotics is a project that I started. Uh, I started planning at the end of last year. And the main goal for Red Dirt Robotics is just trying to is to bridge the gap between uh, the knowledge of the knowledge that students have around STEM and robotics and coding specifically in Australia's regional and remote communities. So there, there's a statistic done by the the Department of Education that says that the average 15 year old in regional Australia, that's just regional, not remote. Uh, the average 15-year-old from regional Australia is about one and a half years behind the skills of that of their metropolitan counterpart. So that's a that's a fair way behind, and there's definitely a big gap that needs to be filled. And I guess that's what I'm I'm out here trying to do, and just not only that, but also share with these students that robotics and coding and STEM is fun. And there's a lot more to just sitting at a computer, writing away, typing away all day. But there's real-world applications of what they can be doing. And so you said then that um, that's that's regional versus metro. So I can only imagine it must be, you know, is it significantly worse again into into rural or or, uh, or remote or how, how you know how, how are you seeing it? I'm yet to go very remote. Uh, okay. I've mainly been mainly been sticking to to the regional areas just because that's where the work has been but in in a few weeks i'll be heading down the tanami track in the middle of wa to one of the remote community schools out that way which will definitely definitely show me what it's looking like out out in the remote communities of australia but i can imagine that it would be similar or if not a bit worse than what it is in in the regional parts and, um, you know, it's funny because you hear, well, it's not funny, but you hear stories of, you know, people people's story in life and you get these fantastic doctors and nurses and neuroscientists and everything else and they came from these remote places in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, all around the world. Are you seeing some of these things as you're finding some of these kids, just this this level of intelligence that's just sort of untapped, I guess, and, and you're helping tap that? Yes, definitely, definitely. There's There's been a few instances where I've been teaching a course and they're, there'll be one or two students in the room who just pick it up instantly and they're away with it and they're, they're just leaps and bounds ahead of whatever the rest of the class is doing. And yeah, it's, it's always cool to see that sort of that, that little sparkle in the student's eye when they can see that they're enjoying something like this. And it must be so different for them as well, is it? You know, they, I'm pretty confident that I get to do kind of sort of robotics coding every day of the week. Is this a, is this a brand new thing that's coming to these communities as well? 
in a lot of the places I've been so far, it has been, I've been the first exposure to these students that a lot of them have had uh, with robotics and coding. And so it's really cool on my end of things to be the, the first uh, insight to what these students are learning when they, when they start off in, like, in doing robotics. And yeah. And so we're uh, a lot of the photos that I've seen, and I had a look at your website, which I'd encourage um, everyone to get a look at. I'll go and have a look at it's uh, royalrobotics.com.au. It's all sort of based around ground robotics at the moment, is it? It's it's not you know we're not getting into aircraft at this point or, or drones or anything like that. Yeah, currently I'm using the Micromelon Rover platform. They're an awesome little robot, especially for education. And what makes them that little bit better is that they're Australian made and Queensland made. Um, but what I like about that robot is because they're just so versatile for um, students who haven't done any robotics or coding before, but they also are scalable for people who are pretty pretty proficient in it. And the other good thing about it is that they pack down real small and fit in the car nicely. But um, drones is definitely something that I'm looking to get into in the future, uh, funding and and financials is the is the main barrier <laughs> at the moment uh, for me getting into using sort of like the the Tello platform, which are great for great for coding and drones. Yeah, awesome. I think I might have spoken to some of those micromilling guys actually at World of Drones and Robotics a couple of years ago um, in Brisbane. It's a cool little um, cool little platform they've got. I spent most of the day over there playing around with with what they had. Um, I'm sure that it must be a similar sort of product that you're using out there. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've only got the one platform that they've been developing. So I imagine it would have been the same one. Yeah, awesome. And so, how many schools? Um, you know, and they've only been into this for sort of six months, I guess, because you were at school before that yourself. How many <laughs> schools have you sort of been to so far? And and what's your what's your plan for the year? So so far, I've been into, I think the the number is eight schools so far, and across those eight, I've encountered nearly nearly just on 200 young engineers so far uh, and that's been with a whole lot of hiccups along the way um, but moving into the into the next six months I've got a fair few a fair few things lined up over in Broome for National Science Week uh, I've got I've got the library over there booked out every afternoon for awesome. the week of the 13th of August uh, running some fun workshops and one adult workshop as well, which I believe is going to be happening on the Friday. But from Broome, I'll be heading back over down through the Tanami to that remote community I mentioned earlier. And then from there, I'll be spending a bit of time in Alice Springs and eventually making my, ma making my way back over to the East Coast to go from Cairns right down the, right down the East Coast, running a whole heap of robo-rave immersion days, which is really exciting that sounds like you're going to see some um, some pretty awesome parts of the country and and get some uh, get some miles on that vehicle as well are you doing all the driving yourself or are you flying around the place no it's just me just me and my old troopy so <laughs> we're getting getting to know each other pretty well which is which is good uh, especially when you're way out bush but yeah it's done a fair few kilometers so far and i've got a fair more to go and it's holding up all right so far so far, um, I've had a 
an interesting last few weeks uh, with the car. It got stolen up in Darwin, which oh, was why? which was pretty pretty rough. Uh, a group of kids up there managed to get inside and take it for a bit of a joyride, and then I've been battling mechanics up there trying to get it fixed, and I ended up saying stuff it and doing some of the work myself because it was just going to happen faster. But um, so far in the 300 or so case between Darwin and Catherine, it's held up all right, and I'm confident it'll get me over to Broome yeah, and everywhere else. And so I guess, um, you know, realistically, you're probably limited by two things, aren't you? Limited by the time you've actually got to, to get around and do stuff. And then um, I'd assume, you know, the, the money as well, the, the finance behind this sort of stuff. How are you, how are you being financed at the moment? You know, how are you, how are you um, making this work? So at the moment, I'm charging a fee direct to the schools that I visit. Um, and that fee can vary anywhere between, I think it's $600 and then upwards of 1500 depending on what the school decides to go with. And that also depends on which package they choose. So I have a, a half-day course and a full-day course, a full-day course with some teacher professional development. And then I also have an option for the for the school to pick and choose whichever option they want and combine a few or have me in longer or whatever it may be. Yeah, cool. And I'd, I'd be keen for some bit more info on um, what do you actually do? So what do you, you know, what's a typical day or afternoon or, you know, program that you actually run at some of these schools? So I'll give you, I'll give you the basic rundown of the, of the half-day session because yeah. um, that, that seems to be the most popular one. So the way it goes is pretty much I'm working with a clean slate of students who have never touched a robot or done any sort of programming before. So I sort of have a bit of bit of free reign, I guess, in what I'm able to do. Uh, but the way it goes is going from the ground up. I work with the students to learn their way around using the Micromelon Rover and also the programming IDE. And so to do that, we do a few basic challenges, just like getting the robot to drive in a square, for example, is one of the first things we do. Um, so that way they get a good understanding of how the motors work and how to get the programming software to communicate with the robot itself and then actually see it doing something physically right in front of them. And then from there, once the students have a bit of a better understanding on how to use the robot with the programming language, we then work our way into the competition challenges that uh, we do in, in what, any of my courses. I like, to, I like to plan and run all my courses around different competitions that these students can enter and compete in. So back on the coast, when I had access to a bit more, a few more resources, I was running a lot of programs based around the first Lego league. But now I'm opting for uh, the Robo Rave competition, which is a new competition that's just come to Australia in the last few years. And it was brought here by my old robotics coach. So it's pretty... <laughs> I'm pretty keen to push it. Um, and yeah, so the first one of the challenges that we do is the amazing challenge. Uh, it sounds exactly what it is. You're driving the robot through a maze. So there's a maze put out on the ground and you have to program the robot to complete it in the fastest time, only using the motors. So there's no sensor input. And at the actual competition, the maze is unseen and students have a set amount of time to get their robot to do it as proficiently as possible. The next challenge that we would do in a half-day course would be a line-following challenge. 
Uh, and the way that works is having the robot follow a black line on the ground or a challenge mat to get from one point to the other, avoiding obstacles and figuring its way around dead ends. Um, and that's using a the color sensor on the robot. So there's a bit of a bit of programming involved in getting that to work as it should. And then the last thing that we do in our half-day course, which is always a fan favorite and can get pretty loud, is the sumo challenge. So that's where we have two robots uh, that are programmed to seek and destroy their opponent and push them outside of the sumo ring. And in doing that, we're using nearly all of the robot sensors uh, to have a very, uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? A very proficient a pr proficient robot that is able to look for obstacles and opponents inside of its in its field of view using an ultrasonic sensor to then push it out of the ring. And by the end of the day, I like to think that the students would be able to take these skills further and then develop their own ideas, add on to these programs and codes that they've written to make their robots even better. And then hopefully one day they'll be able to enter into uh, the Robo Rave competition and then compete to win the own, the title for themselves. That's unreal. That sounds like a um, a pretty cool day. I wouldn't mind skipping half a day of work to be honest and, and getting stuck <laughs> in that. Maybe we need to we need to pitch this thing to adults as well. I think there's a there's a market there at the same time. Um, you, you've outlined your year this year and you've got a fair bit of driving and a fair bit of teaching and stuff to do. What's the future for you, mate? What's um what's sort of the next steps or what's the next you know two to five year plan? Do you think? Well. I haven't thought five years ahead, but definitely <laughs> next year I'll be hitting the road again um, and hopefully going bigger and better. I've got a few things in the pipeline that I'm trying to get sorted out uh, with a few grants so that uh, my courses will be partially subsidized for some, some of the schools that I visit. I want to hit a lot more of sort of New South Wales, South Australia, and then the bottom half of WA because so far I'm really only sticking to the Territory and Queensland and northern Western Australia. But, yeah, hopefully I'll be a bit more organised at the start of next year and I'll be able to get out on the road nice and early and visit a whole lot more places. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, and, and so what can do, people do to help, you know? Is there anything that people can do to kind of help you on your mission to achieve this stuff or um, where they can get some more info on what you're doing? Yeah, if... If people want to learn more about Red Dirt Robotics, you can you can head to my website, uh, royalrobotics.com.au. There's a, there's a tab right at the top for Red Dirt Robotics. If you want to directly support me, I also have a GoFundMe page, which should also be on that Red Dirt Robotics page. But aside from that, following my socials is always good. And then just spreading the word. If there's any... Any school teachers out there or partners of school teachers pushing that inside your schools to try and get me in is also a good way to good way to help me out, uh, to lock in more work and spread robotics as far as I can. Yeah, awesome. And I'll make sure that we um we, we include that website and that GoFundMe link um in the in the episode uh, details as well. So I think it's a it's a great thing. 
Um, look, Jameson, we might wrap it there and, uh, and let you get on with your day as well. Mate, thanks so much for, for what you're doing and, and thanks for, you know, getting out there and really helping other people. Um, I'm sure it's a, it's a thankful job when you're out with, you know, around the place, but it must be difficult, you know, constantly trying to get funding and constantly trying to, you know, probably chasing your tail with that stuff. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and, and how you're doing things. Um, if our listeners want to, want to know more, please head across and, and uh, as Jameson said, have a look at his website, have a look at the GoFundMe link, have a look at, you know, what he's doing. Um, if we can do anything to help you, mate, or our listeners can, please reach out and, and touch base. We'd love to, you know, see this mission continue and get bigger and bigger. For sure. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks, mate.